What's going on and welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. We continue with our player recaps on this Thursday afternoon. Big thanks to Christian Clark for coming on yesterday to recap Lonzo Ball. We're joined today by the radio voice of the Pelicans, Todd Graffinini, as we are talking about Stephen Adams. And of course, Jim Eikenhofer will be on with me throughout this entire three-week player recap podcast group. Uh, Todd, how's the offseason treating you? I haven't seen you since. I think you were just trying to avoid me, but uh, I found you. <laughs> I'm not trying to avoid you, Daniel. Um, you know, the offseason is is going. Uh, you know, you just kind of take a little time and, and uh, of course, watching the playoffs. Hopefully next year we'll be in the playoffs. But, you know, it was uh, it was a grind. I mean, we weren't even playing. But, you know, when, when you're basically preparing for games every day and every other day, it, re- it really kind of wears on you. Um, but again, that's first world problems, man. You know, we, we, we it, it was a very interesting season to say the least, uh, definite roller coaster ride. But I think if you really step back and you look at it as the year went on, you saw guys improve and, and you really have to be excited for next year. Yep, absolutely. And I think you, you hit nail on the head as far as, you know, nothing for us to complain about as far as us getting to cover a team. And uh, you talked about interesting as far as the season. I think one of those guys that was very interesting is Steven Adams and not just from beyond the court, but off the court as this was his first year with the team. And I'll start with that, Todd, and I'll go to Jim is just his media availabilities. I think I always tuned in uh, just to hear Steven Adams, just because there was always something quirky that he would say or do. Uh, just how great was it just someone else that gives a, a different perspective uh, on talking about the game of basketball? Yeah, he's he's pretty deep. I mean, I mean, if you think about it and of course, you know, the accent goes into it and sometimes it's a little hard for, to understand him because, you know, most of the year those guys were talking with with masks on. So but uh, it, it, it was definitely a breath of fresh air to 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 see someone like that. Look, I know he was beloved in Oklahoma City not by the fans, but by the media as well. Uh, he's really been the same person since he's come out of college and he's, you know, growing up a little bit into something. I mean, you got to think about it. He's still a pretty relatively young guy, but uh, he definitely will go on, on tangents that the normal uh, basketball player might not go into. And you just got to make sure, you know, it, it's funny because he's almost intimidating in a sense because you, if you're asking him a question, it needs to be the right question or he's going to, you know, maybe undress you a little bit in front of the in front of the other guys in the media. So, um, no, definitely he was uh, he was awesome to deal with. And, and, you know, we look forward to it again next year. Well, mate, uh, <laughs> exactly. One of the things one of the moments that I, I laughed a ton about was there was a a few weeks into the season, maybe more than that, he, I was on the zoom call and he saw my name. I hadn't said anything, my last name. And he was like, look at this guy's last name. Well, this is crazy. And I was laughing for two reasons. One, because it was just funny that he said that, but another in that I had been in the zoom with him many times. And that was the first time that he had, he had noticed that. So that was kind of funny, but yeah, along the lines of what Todd said, uh, I feel like Christian Clark was in an ongoing ask the question, have Steven ask it, ask him what he asked type thing. And that was no, it was almost like he was hazing Christian throughout the season as far as he would ask him like specifically what, what, what did you just ask? So, but he, he was funny. I mean, he was, 
another thing I enjoyed about Stephen was how many times he would kind of go off on a, a rant and ramble into a bunch of different directions. And then he would say directly to the person who asked the question, okay, is that good? Is that exactly? A good, is there anything more you need from me? I think that was pretty good. So it was kind of like he was, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit and, and just, I, I just like the way that he didn't take it. He doesn't take it that seriously. Like I understand that sometimes there are serious things that happen and things that we need to address, but overall, I mean, come on, this is sports. It's just, it's a game. It, it means a ton to people, but I mean, it's really not that serious compared to other things. I started out my career as a newspaper reporter working in news. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is serious, like crime that you cover and whatnot. I mean, compared to that, this is, I, I just appreciate the fact that he takes it for what it is and that it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's just sports. Yeah. And, and I mean, when you're, they're traveling, uh, Jim, it's, you know, 25 degrees out and the guy's wearing sandals. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, we had, <laughs> there was quite a funny incident and shorts and shorts yeah. too. I, I enjoyed the exit interview day where he was, Andrew Lopez was talking to him about the how one of Andrew's friends designed his own Stephen Adams sandals. So that was definitely another highlight of media availability this year. Well, I was going to ask you both if either of you have your own face on your sandals now and are available for anyone to buy, because I think I would wear some Jim Eikenhoff for flip-flops to the pool or some Todd Graffinini sandals uh, around the house. Or have any of you begun that process? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to leave it to the, uh, to the swoosh. I, I don't need that. Nobody needs to see my face on anything else, but my own face. I, I try not to even look in the mirror, so I'm not going to, I don't, I don't <laughs> want any clothing or branding with that, that on with my face on it. So. Jim Eikenhofer is the only house that does not have one mirror in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my landlord was very confused as to why I took out all the mirrors. So that's, that's a story for another day. That absolutely is. That's funny. Um, when we talk about Stephen Adams, Todd, I'll, I'll start with you and go back to Jim on this one as well. Um, you heard it from him. Uh, I asked David Griffin about it last week on Pelicans Weekly. Also heard it from Jackson Hayes and Billy Hernan Gomez. I mean, one of the reasons he was brought in as well was his veteran presence. And when it comes to the close-knit group of the centers with Stephen, Jackson, and Billy, they just all, you know, had so much respect for each other. And I think that started, one, with Billy's personality because of how great it is, and Jackson's too, but – I think Stephen Adams really set the tone as far as that group coming together throughout the entire season. I agree a hundred percent. And you would hope that that's going to continue next year with the development of not only uh, Billy Hernan Gomez, but with Jackson Hayes as well. And um, no, to have someone like that, who's just been through, I mean, you think about it, he's been in a lot of playoff series and has, and has played a lot of basketball in his career at a relatively young age. So that wealth uh, of experience and knowledge to pass down to younger guys like Hernan Gomez and, and Jackson, that's invaluable. And, and that's why, as Griff mentioned, he brought him in. And, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about his on-court performance in just a little bit, but, you know, just not only what they're doing on the court, Daniel, but off the court as well. I mean, just life lessons. And like you said, a guy who really doesn't take things very seriously, but knows enough where he can pass on whatever experiences he's had to those younger guys might help them on the court at, at some point as well. And I think the chemistry was, was palpable. We could see those guys kind of, especially um, Steven and, and Billy 
before games while guys were warming up. They'd have a little rebound game going. They'd be sitting underneath. They wouldn't see who was shooting the ball, and they'd be sitting underneath the hoop, and they're trying to get the rebound. It was it was an ongoing competition every single game, which we were privy to because we were able to watch it. Um, but those are just the little things that that the regular fan doesn't get to see on a, on a day in and day out basis. So I, I just thought it was, it was outstanding. And uh, it, it's just, it's really good to have a guy like that in the locker room. I think if there was ever a season where, as you just mentioned, it's good to have a guy like that. And it's good to have people, players that are unselfish. It was this season. I mean, we weren't on the road, so I, I, we didn't experience this personally, but um, firsthand, but I can't imagine how, how much it kind of wore on you to go through this whole season with as many games as there were played in a short amount of time. And the fact that, especially during the beginning part of the season, you couldn't really leave your hotel room. So the amount of time that you were around other human beings, the percentage of that being your teammates was so high. So, I mean, if you're around people that get under your skin and bother you, I think it would have really made it for a rough experience. So, but from afar, it did seem like, the players got along really well. And there were several groups of guys that just became really good friends. I know Nikhil Alexander Walker talked about how he had kind of a bond with some of the other international players and that those guys had a really fun group. So, I mean, that that's really a key thing. You know, one, one quick thing too, that I noticed about Steven Adams specifically, I, I enjoyed listening to Oklahoma city's head coach, Mark Dagnall. He talked about him from his experience with the thunder I think their time there kind of overlapped, I think maybe by one year that they weren't together, but throughout that time, that coach was in the organization with their G League team. Um, he talked about one of the words that he used that I had never heard someone I don't think used before was, he said Steven Adams had a, had a big team ship to him, meaning like that was a big part of his mentality and his focus was always team, team, team. And I thought that that was a really good way to, to put it in or to summarize just the way that his mentality is, he definitely doesn't have kind of that massive ego. And just from listening to him do other interviews and different podcasts, you can tell that he has a different perspective than a lot of guys do. And he's so much more about the group than he is, you know, what do I need to, to do or what kind of things do I, what kind of rewards can I get? So that definitely, that, that definitely helps a ton. And like I said, especially in a season like we just experienced. When it comes to on the court with Steven Adams, Jim, I'll start with you and then go to Todd. What stuck out with you the most about his on the court performance this year? Even the fact that one of the funny stats that Todd and I were tracking throughout the year and we always brought up is that he was at some point, he was the only guy on the team to have a triple double. And then the very end of the season, Lonzo Ball grabs one to be one of two guys. But the fact that Steven Adams was your, your lone guy for a while was pretty interesting. And he did it against his former team, but on the court, what stuck out to you, Jim, and then I'll go to Todd after. Yeah, him as the only triple-double generator for the bulk of the season. Definitely no one had that on their bingo card, that's for sure. But I think over the first, say, 30, 40-something games of the season, the biggest way that he impacted the team was New Orleans was the number one rebounding team throughout the season. I'm not, I can't remember what they if they finished number one, but um, they were just a dominant rebounding team all year. He had a ton of double-doubles in the first part of the year, and just between him and Zion, I mean, it was surprising in December, January, February, if the other team, not only it would, it would be very surprising if the other team won the rebounding, but even 
when they were close, it was surprising because that's just how good the Pelicans were in that category. So, I, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing that he helped and just his leadership as well, just being the veteran guy, I think helped a ton in the locker room as we just touched on. Yeah, specifically, Jim, uh, second chance opportunities, you know, with Adams and Zion, they were the top duo in the league. I mean, they were averaging combined about six and a half offensive rebounds a game. So that was outstanding. Um, you know, the 13 double doubles you mentioned, you know, him and Zion were kind of, you know, he had a big lead on Zion in the double double category. And then Zion kind of caught him as the year went on is, you know, as, as Adams game started to kind of diminish with, with the, with the, uh, toe injury that he had so um you know but defense i mean look you could argue in the first month of the season that steven adams was the mvp of the team when you consider what he was doing not only uh, on the defensive end with the rebounding the offensive rebounding and he his productivity as far as a scorer was pretty solid at that time he had been rebounding the he rebounded the entire season but his but his points per game started to diminish a little bit as the season went on. I just thought he got a little worn down. And, um, you know, and the one thing that, you know, John DeShazer and I talked about a lot on the broadcast were his free throw shooting. Now that was poor. It was at 44%. And that's something that, you know, he's got to get better. And it's funny because if you watch him shoot free throws, he does not have a bad stroke or release. It just, you know, for some reason or another, a lot of them did not go in, but, when you get into late game situations, that's where, you know, Stan Van Gundy has a decision to make. Do you leave Steven Adams on the floor at 44% shooting free throws? Because obviously they're going to start following him intentionally. So um, that's one thing I think he's got to improve on. But other than that, I just thought he had a, a really, really solid year. It was just a shame that he wasn't able to finish the year with, you know, with the toe. You know, one thing that I think is interesting about his free throw shooting, he's never been a great free throw shooter. He's always been below average. But even with that being the case, this past season was an outlier. It was a big drop from what he had done in previous years. And I don't know what the reason for that is. Maybe it was just how everyone was kind of out of their routine this season compared to other years. I mean, Todd, you mentioned this earlier. You guys can ask him about that. You you, you guys can be the one to ask him of why he – struggled so much on free throw shooting. I'll leave that to someone else to ask him. That's a chuck and duck question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put that. Yeah. yeah. I do wonder though, if that was part of it, it was just everything was weird this year. And maybe that was one of the reasons why that dropped so much that you weren't able to get into your normal routine and regimen as far as, I mean, the team hardly practiced. That was the case for most of the teams in the league. And it's possible that that had a negative effect on, on why that dropped so much this past season. As we wrap things up here on the Pelicans podcast, as we're talking about Steven Adams, I'll start with you, Jim, and then go with Todd. And I think Todd kind of answered a little bit, but you can elaborate or add something else as far as what maybe he needs to work on or what can improve next year in order to help this team get back in the playoffs. So, Jim, is there anything that strikes you about as far as maybe a part of his development? Because, again, he's been in the league for a long time, but you're right, Todd, I think it's easy for him to say that he looks a lot older than what he actually is. I right. think people will be surprised to say that he's either at 30 or is not even 30 yet. But what's, what's crazy about uh, that is he still has plenty of years to go. So Jim, with that being said, what are some of the things that he might focus on um, during the off season and Todd, I'll end with you on that. Yeah. I think besides the free throw shooting that we just touched on, I don't know how much more a player can change at this stage of his career. He's eight years in. 
I think one of the things that a lot of guys in his position, as far as his size and, and stature are dealing with right now is the way that the, the game, the spacing is so much of a part of it that defensively it's just tougher for that traditional guy on defense to have to run out to the three point line and cover shooters. So I, I think we saw this throughout the season with the Pelicans too, that um, they had a good complement of centers in terms of guys that all had different skills. So I think what you're seeing in, in strengths and weaknesses. So I think what you're seeing now is just teams are using guys specific to the matchups or specific to the game situation. So, um, but I thought, as, as Todd said too, that he played really well before he started kind of getting worn down and his toe issue started happening. I, I think people were very happy and content with the way he played over the first chunk of the season. Uh, I mean, I'm picking nits here, Daniel and Jim. I just, I'd like to see him a little more in a scorer's role. You know, he averaged seven and a half a game. I think he could easily average a double double. That's just me. Um, but again, that's just that's just nitpicking right there. Uh, you know, um, I one other thing, and we were talking about this before we started, how they're going to utilize him next year, and would Stan Van Gundy think about maybe? And again, I, I'm just tossing this out there. I, I have no idea, but would maybe with the development of Jackson Hayes and depending or whether or not Billy Hernan Gomez comes back next year. Would you think about bringing him off the bench just to maybe keep his minutes down a little bit, have him go out there with a second unit uh, defensively to anchor that. And again, keep him a little bit more fresh than he was off the, off the bench uh, and keeping him fresh for the stretch run of the season next year, maybe something to think about um, because again, we know what he can do. Um, and you know, I, I just, you want him to be there though, when, the, when the games really matter down the stretch and he wasn't available this year. Yeah. He, he, as a rookie, he came off the bench. I think for most of that season, he only started 20 of the 80 games that he played that year. So it does seem like he was really good in that role as far as a guy that comes in off the bench and creates a lot of havoc and mayhem. So, but I agree with what you said about his, uh, you know, aggressiveness on offense. I felt like over the course of the season that a lot of the other guys, especially the guards, were trying to figure out what the best way to get him the ball was because he, he, he there's very few teams in the NBA that now that do like straight post-ups, traditional post-ups, but it seems like that's a way that he did score pretty effectively. Um, but I think a lot of guys, we talked about this, we're going to talk about this in the Bledsoe podcast tomorrow it was tough for a lot of guys coming in with very little training camp and hardly any practices to figure out exactly where do I fit in best offensively. And I think that was also something that Steven dealt with at the beginning of the season. It'd be interesting to see how this off season plays out for the Pelicans and what this team looks like moving forward with Steven Adams on the roster next season. Big, big thanks to Todd. Todd, I really appreciate the time. We'll, we'll talk to you down the road and enjoy your off season, my friend. Enjoy your off season, Daniel, but your season never ends. Exactly. And this podcast never ends. And it'll be again here tomorrow with Eric Bledsoe on the docket. And then we'll take a Memorial Day break and we'll come back next week for four more podcasts. But big thanks to Todd Graffinini again. We'll have Eric Bledsoe tomorrow. And that'll do it for today's Thursday edition of the Pelicans podcast. Until then, I'm Daniel Sowers. And thanks for listening to the podcast presented by Seeky.